0: This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti.
1: Chocolate is something everyone can enjoy, but picking out your favorite chocolate and the legend, those kind of things often rely on visual cues. So, Who's being left out of that experience when maybe they shouldn't be and they don't need to be it's scary to try something new you do risk that you might be doing something wrong or you might make a mistake if you're consulting the community you you have to be open to learning and changing and listening to feedback honestly that will make it probably the highlight of any brand's career like i honestly think the braille box I'm going to remember for a long time.
0: I hope all brands get to experience that because I want to do it again. I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> That's Julia Cho. She's the content and marketing manager at Purdy's Chocolatier. She is passionate about inclusivity, philanthropy, and learning about how to better serve the needs of Canadians when it comes to chocolate. Welcome Julia. Hi Mary, thank you for having me. I Thank you for coming to, to talk to me and have a little food conversation. Obviously, I haven't had enough coffee because I am literally falling over my words. they <laughs> <laughs> are just so excited. And so hungry. excited. So, I want to get into more about you. And I want our listeners to learn more about you. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Julia
1: Cho. I'm the content and marketing manager at Purdy's. And one of my philosophies is just to bring my whole self to work um, and bring my whole self to whatever space I occupy. So at work and in my personal life, I'm really passionate about inclusivity, philanthropy, and just like being a kind person. Um, Those are things that really drive me. And so it's
0: kind of led me to some really wonderful places um, in all aspects of my life. Was this something you've always wanted to do and you always wanted to work at? It was in marketing. I'm sure with a
1: lot of people in their careers, you kind of fall into it sometimes. Um, I've always been really creative and really into words and video content and drawing and just creativity in general. Um, So it's interesting how marketing is kind of a combination of being creative, but also being great with words and understanding how words can convey a story um, but it wasn't something, you know, as a child that I, I dreamt of doing. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a chef. I wanted mm-hmm. to be a news anchor. Um, <laughs> and in some ways, I guess being in marketing at a Purdy's company is a bit of both. You know, I get to it's a bit of being a chef and a bit of um dealing with news and media. So it is kind of bits of the world that I imagined as a kid. Yeah,
0: it sounds like it's combining your two passions, food and words. That's a great way to put it. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about Purdy's Chocolatier.
1: Purdy's first started in 1907 uh, in Vancouver, uh, which is a long time ago. So we've been around for over 100 years um, and it's just, it's quite a history. So, you know, it started in 1907 as one shop grew to four shops. um, And now we have 80 shops across Canada. And of course, our our website, purdy's.com. Um, but still family owned, still all of our chocolates are made in BC, uh, in Canada. So really a Canadian chocolate company is is who we are and what we do.
0: Back in December, um, because I had the privilege of receiving a box, Purdy's uh, launched a box of chocolates. And what was so unique and so special about this box was that it was a brailled label with a braille legend mm-hmm. for those that needed it to describe the chocolates inside. And when it first launched, it sold out within a matter of hours, I think, I believe. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just give everyone a brief overview, a quick overview of what makes this so unique and so special. So we know that it's got Braille legend inside. Um, it's got Braille on the cover of the Purdy's. Tactile. I think there's a left and right, if I'm not mistaken, to the box. You can identify which side's left, which side's right. Yep. There's also a QR code in the legend. Honestly, that for me, because I don't read Braille. Yes. But I do use my smartphone for mm-hmm. almost everything that I do. And I think in my video, I showed how, how you use the QR code with a screen reader. Yeah, yes. Life-changing, life-changing. Uh, because then even with, your, with the QR code, you can expand it and, and um, zoom it in on your phone if you needed it larger print, because that's a lot of my issue Mm -hmm. is that the print is just so tiny. I can't read anything, but did I cover everything? Yeah, I think you did. (laughs) I think you
1: covered your braille box expert. I I do want to give Ramya a shout out. Um, I know she helped us with all aspects of the project, but especially the screen reader legend as well. We had quite a few rounds of feedback and revisions just to make it very accessible for screen readers. So yeah, Ramya was like instrumental in developing that.
0: Yes. Please give her a shout out. I love Ramya. <laughs> Me too. Us too. <laughs> okay. So what was the inspiration behind this box? Like where did the idea come from? We So we were working
1: at Purdy's. We're always thinking of Christmas um, all year round. So even now we're thinking of this Christmas, next Christmas. It, Christmas is always on our mind. Uh, And I knew we wanted to do something really special for Christmas, especially because we were thinking of how, you know, it it would have been a special Christmas where we could finally gather with loved ones in Canada. It it would have been two years. Um, And we were working with this incredible agency called Rethink. So working together, thinking through how can we make Christmas special and how can we make Christmas um, really a Christmas that everyone can enjoy. That was kind of our starting point. And where we, where we quickly led to was just thinking about how Christmas time and gathering around a box of chocolates with your family or your friends and loved ones and picking out your favorite chocolate, maybe fighting over your favorite chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, we just started thinking about the joy that that brings to everyone, especially during the holidays. And then another insight that one step further was, you know, that's chocolate is something everyone can enjoy, but. Picking out your favorite chocolate and the legend, those off, th- those kind of things often rely on visual cues. So who's being left out of that experience when maybe they shouldn't be and they don't need to be? Um, and so that's that kind of flow of thoughts is what prompted us to think of how can we design a box that um, everyone, including people in the blind and partially sighted community, can enjoy and pick out their favorite chocolates, um, take it from their family members, but really just enjoy chocolate on their own when they want, how they
0: want. And I love the fact that you mentioned that it was part of the conception process. So it was part of the design process. It wasn't the afterthought was, here's the product, it's made, and now, oops, we missed this. Mm -hmm. The way you're describing it is that it was part of the whole thought process at the beginning, and we were included in that. But I do have to ask: Were there any concerns or fear about trying something new and basically venturing into new and maybe possibly uncharted territory? One hundred percent, yes. We,
1: I think, as the brand, for any brand, it's it's scary to try something new, especially as a brand. You know, we've been around for a long time, but we're actually still quite a small. We're a smaller company. You know, we're not a Nike or an Apple, so we are. Um, a much smaller organization. So it it definitely was a risk for us. Um, I know one of the main concerns was we didn't want to do something wrong or we didn't want to offend people in the blind and partially sighted community. I think we were afraid we would do something wrong because that's, that's what happens when we take a risk is you do risk that you might be doing something wrong or you might make a mistake. So that was a genuine concern is okay, we could, the Braille might be printed wrong or people in the blind and partially sighted community might not um, acknowledge this project. We might do this wrong. So um, that was definitely a concern, but I will say the reason why we decided to go with it was just the benefits that we could see. And, you know, for me, I always, I get a really strong sense from projects. And I thought if we're doing so much learning on our own, Even if this project goes wrong, the fact that as a brand and a marketing team, we're able to learn about the blind and partially sighted community, to me, that felt really right. Like even if a project ends up going totally, you know, Mm -hmm. if we make a huge mistake, I feel like as a brand, if we learn how to better meet the needs of people in the blind and partially sighted community, I would still consider that a success. So that minimized the risk for me is making sure that focusing on our learning and focusing on ensuring we were following Rami's
0: guidance, to me, that made the risk worth it. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, this whole process would have actually sparked conversation around it and people talking about inclusivity in terms of the disability community. And and to me, the more you talk about it, the more normal, and I'm using air quotes, you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes, (laughs) and saying the more normal and normalized the conversations become. Because a lot, of, a lot of people, and I've had someone say to me, you're the first person I've ever met. That's low vision, right? And then a whole slew of questions come, which I love and I encourage. But I think that's another thing that's been so great about this campaign and about this project is because it did spark conversation. And it continues to spark conversation. Would you have thought, thinking back to when you started this idea and working with everyone, that it would be as well-received as it was? Oh, Mary, we had no clue. We had no clue. And I think they're out because,
1: of course, we started this project back in the late spring, um and we were steadily working on it towards Christmas. And we kept asking ourselves like, you know, are people gonna care about this box? like will will people care? Um, and my only hope was that, you know, I hope I hope someone out there <laughs> appreciates it and likes it and and purchase it from on um, purchase it from our site or our shop. And so, yeah, we weren't sure. We we had no clue how people would respond. Um, we did think about how are, how is our general customer base? How are they going to respond? And we also wondered how are people in the blind and partially sighted community going to respond? So a lot of what ifs. A lot of what ifs, Mary. So um, especially, you know, as, as you work on something more and more, and as more like work and heart is poured into it, um, we had a lot of what ifs. So we had no clue that People would receive it so well and that people, it would mean so much to so many of our customers. Um, we were just, I was overwhelmed with with
0: the feedback and the response. What advice would you give other brands that are either nervous about venturing into this inclusive world?
1: That is a great question. Um, and, you know, I've actually had a lot of people ask me, oh, Julia, what would you think if a brand copied this idea or if another brand started adding Braille to their packaging after seeing the, the Purdy's Braille box. And in my mind, that would be a huge win. Like how fantastic would that be if another company, another chocolate company sees this and thinks, oh, we should add Braille and tactile indicators to our packaging. For me, that that's a win that they noticed us. And it's a win that they're doing something to make a product more accessible. Um, and to answer your question, I think that My first very practical recommendation is to get to hire people from within the community.
0: Thank you for saying
1: that. (laughs) That's my first (laughs) practical number one top of your to-do list. And then my second uh, piece of advice would would be, if you're consulting the community, you, you have to be open to learning and changing and listening to feedback, and that will honestly, that will make it probably the highlight of any brand's career. Like I honestly think the Braille Box, I'm going to remember for a long time Mm because yeah, I've learned so much um, in those six, seven months. And, and I hope other brands can experience what I experienced. Cause I had, I had a blast learning about packaging and talking to Ramya and our influencers. I hope all brands get to experience that because
0: I want to do it again. I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> I'm available for taste testing. <laughs> um. So is this product still available for purchase?
1: Yes. So it's available on our website on parties.com. Um, it's now called the braille box because of course it's after the holidays and actually behind the scenes, our team is working really hard to get more boxes available in our shops as well. So We have some boxes that will be arriving in our shops later this week. Um, And then behind the scenes, we're we're working to pack even more boxes.
0: And now I need to ask about tasting. Yes. So what are some of your favorite Purdy's chocolates?
1: Oh, that is, I always, you know, I get asked this a lot, but each time I find it really hard because I love, (laughs) it changes every time. Um, Right now I do, I really love our vegan sweet Georgia Browns. Mary, I will send you some. (gasps) I'm going to send some to you. It's delicious. Oh my goodness. We've actually had a lot of our customers and even people at Purdy say they love it more than our, our regular
0: Sue Georgia Browns. Really? Is that even possible?
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, I love our sweet Georgia brown. So do I. But I gotta say, there's something about the vegan version that's really delicious. Okay, now I can't wait to try this. I will. I'll mail you some. Don't worry. I will get your hands on some vegan sweet Georgia brown. And I also really love our Himalayan pink salt caramels. I love sweet and salty chocolate, and yeah, it's a classic. I
0: haven't, I haven't tried those.
1: Oh, Mary. Okay, I know what I'm. I'm I'll send you both. I'll send you, <laughs> you. You're missing
0: out. You need to try these. I'm gonna have to hide them from my husband. I'm Mary Mamalee, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Julia Cho, the content and marketing manager at Purdy's Chocolatier. Do you tend to lean more towards baking or cooking? Cooking. 100% cooking. I
1: I used to bake quite a bit, but my family told me to stop because I would just bake all the time yes. and <laughs> share it all the time. And I think they had, they're just saying it was not great for their self-control, um, but I love cooking and I love cooking new recipes and, and cooking Korean food too at home. So who does most of the cooking at home? 100% me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a great arrangement because I, I will do the cooking mm-hmm. and my husband does all the cleaning. Um, so, yeah, I, I would prefer that versus me doing the cleaning and him doing the cooking. <laughs> How
0: would you describe your cooking style?
1: My cooking style is hearty, flavorful,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and spicy. So I have to, I'm Korean, (laughs) I have to have my spice um, and I need flavor. I love, I love flavorful food. So yeah, those would be three words to describe my, my cooking style and maybe my palate, hearty, spicy, flavorful.
0: What do you use to add a little bit of spice to your dishes?
1: So in Korean culture, there's some, you know, staple pantry ingredients. And we have one ingredient called kochukaru, which is basically red pepper chili flakes. So really similar to like Italian chili pepper flakes, um, but a slightly different flavor profile. It's a bit deeper, I'd say. So you can actually add it to soups and it's, it's what seasons kimchi, is chili pepper flakes.
0: Yes, it's got... I'm trying to figure out how to describe the actual heat of it. Like it's got the heat of the Italian chili flake. It's got a little deeper kick. Like it's got a bit more of a yeah. kick, right? Yeah. And it's almost
1: like I would find Italian chili pepper flakes. Like I feel the heat at the tip of my tongue and it's quite spicy actually if you have a lot of it. But with Korean chili pepper flakes, we add a lot and it, it kind of builds. You can build the heat.
0: Yes. And that's exactly, it's a perfect description of it. But how did you get started in the kitchen? Was it something you did as a child or? You know, when, ever since I was a kid, like I grew up
1: cooking with my mom. Um, so even, even as early back as a four-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, I remember being in the kitchen with my mom and mm-hmm. just helped like chopping tofu or stirring something for her. Um, so I cooked with her when I, from when I was a young girl. Um, and I realize now it's great. I I already know her recipes, and I can eyeball things because I've just spent so much time with her in the kitchen.
0: What would be the first recipe you can remember
1: trying? My parents were strangely. I did not have much supervision in the kitchen. Like I remember baking things on my own when I was seven, and just using the app, like and just having free reign on the kitchen.
0: Mm-hmm. But I
1: remember making these um, oat cinnamon banana muffins. I just kind of made my own, like mashed it and and did my, made a recipe on my own. I don't even think I followed a recipe Mm -hmm. Um, and it turned out they were great. My family and I enjoyed it. Uh, So that might be the earliest recipe I remember making is banana, cinnamon,
0: oat, like a mash muffin of sorts. Oh, that sounds delicious. We all have cherished food memories. Is there one in particular that comes to you when you taste or smell or hear a sound? Growing
1: up, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Like I have so much respect for her. She raised three kids when we had first immigrated to Canada. And I remember, and she made us, I don't know how she did it. She cooked us three meals a day and snacks. Like, I don't know how she did that. But in the morning, I remember I could always hear her. I'd wake up and I'd hear her mincing garlic. Um, like nowadays you can buy you know pre-prepped minced garlic in a package, but In the morning, I remember I'd wake up and I'd hear her dicing and mincing a whole bunch of garlic because, um, and even now when I hear the sound of a knife, like mincing something on the cutting board, I think of my mom and and waking up and knowing, oh, my mom's going to make some delicious breakfast or some, something incredible for lunch. Um,
0: so that sound makes me think, oh, a good meal's coming. Isn't it incredible how little things just tie us to so many memories and little, little food things. I just love that.
1: Me too. And and I find it so amazing that, um, you know, as a kid from very early on, I remember what I ate and I remember like incredible meals that we had together as a family or with relatives. So I'm amazed that, you know, we experience those things at a young age and we carry it like for the rest of our lives. Um, that's really powerful, like food memories and and my mom's cooking. No, absolutely. Like even now. But even now, when I'm cooking, I'm just trying to recreate what my mom made for me. Like, oh, if I add a little more salt, it might taste like what my mom made.
0: Yeah, there's always those basics that you get, and then you take it away, and like everyone says, well, it doesn't taste like theirs. Well, no, because every cook is different, but you you it, you get that inspiration from them. What's your go to easy meal uh, that you make for dinner, lunch? But one of your go to staple meals.
1: Sometimes people think Korean food is. Really hard to make or requires a lot of prep, Um, but there are some dishes that are just really easy to throw together or even make beforehand and marinate. So an easy dinner for me might be prugogi, which have you tried prugogi, Mary? I know you you live. I high, have.
0: Um, I have. Yes. Okay, let's explain what that is because it's so delicious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So prugogi is thin um, beef, like thinly sliced beef. And the marinade is usually soy sauce, sesame oil, some sugar for some sweetness, um, and black pepper, and then garlic. So really garlicky soy sauce, sesame, with a little bit of sweetness. Um, and you can marinate it overnight. And then you stir fry it with green onion or, and onions and carrots or whatever you want to add to it. Um, and it's it's delicious. It, you can actually use prugogi and make even more things. Like you can make fried rice with bulgogi. It's a great Korean dish. I've had it with a noodle. Yes. You can have it with udon noodles. You can yes. stir fry it.
0: Oh, so good.
1: So I would say an easy dinner for me is bulgogi that I stir fry. And then there's a dish. Um, you might have had it, Mary. It's uh, it's kind of like Korean miso stu- miso soup. Okay. But uh, miso soup in Japanese culture You don't cook it for a long time. Whereas the Korean version, it's called tenjang jjigae and it's more of a stew and you, you can boil it for a long time and it's very thick. So it's a thicker miso stew with tofu, potato, green onions, um, mushroom. It's like a thicker Korean miso stew.
0: I can't believe I've never had it.
1: Oh, you'll have to try it. You can, it's usually on the menu. It's more like home food, but restaurants have it too. What's a dish?
0: That has never failed you.
1: Oh, interesting question. You know, I I mentioned prugogi, but this is another Korean barbecue staple. Um, and my husband is not Korean; he's he's um, Chinese, and he has learned a lot about Korean cuisine through being married to me and eating, of course, home cooked meals. And a fail proof Korean meal is pork belly. So if Korean barbecue, you take pork belly, um, it's not it's not cured, it's not like bacon, but it's the same cut, uh, thinly sliced, and you grill it. And usually you can have it with like a lettuce wrap. So it's lettuce, we'll make some spicy green onions, um, there's like a spicy Korean chili paste. So you, you eat it with the fatty pork belly, and it's just like the perfect bite where you have lettuce, you add a little bit of rice in there and a few other ingredients. And it's the perfect bite of fatty pork belly.
0: Oh my gosh, you're making me hungry. <laughs> but it is, people
1: love it because who who doesn't like pork belly? Like it's delicious.
0: It is. If you haven't tried it, I do suggest you try it. Are you into playing a game with me?
1: Yes, I'm always up for games.
0: Okay, fill in the blanks. I'm always late to blank.
1: I'm always late to leave the house. And my husband will probably <laughs> adjust to that. There's just so much to do before you leave the house. You got to get ready. you check on my plans. I, I love like hair and makeup and fashion. So I'm, I'm always late to leave the
0: house. Okay, next one. Blank is how I temporarily escape exercise, I'd say, is how I temporarily escape. It's just like the best stress relief for me. Oh, it's amazing. Blank is my love language. I, oh, I'm torn between two. <laughs> is that cheating? Um, I'll take two. <laughs> I
1: know, like, words of affirmation is 100% my love language. And then, really, food. Food is so integral to Korean culture and, and feeding people. So, I'd say words of affirmation, being fed that way, and then and then food, a hearty meal.
0: Okay, so if you weren't a content and marketing manager, what would you be? I really love
1: dogs, like, so much. Mary, I know all the dogs who live in my neighborhood. I, I love my name. <laughs> I, I greet them all. So, um, I might want to become like, a dog trainer and work in a dog shelter, just... To, you with dogs all
0: day. I think I would love that. I always ask every single guest to share a little kitchen confession with us. Do you have one that you could share? This is a
1: very early childhood memory,
0: but it's
1: one my family shares often where um, I was probably around three or four years old. And I remember my mom my mom and my my family shares, she walked into the kitchen and I had somehow spilled sesame oil, like a huge tub of sesame oil all, all over our kitchen floor. And like, if you've worked with sesame oil, you know, it's slick and oily mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it gets everywhere. And I just decided to skate all over our kitchen floor like make use of the sesame oil so my mom walked in and I was just having a blast like figure skating on the floor spreading the sesame oil everywhere um and I think my mom was just like she had no clue what had happened and how I got (laughs) this so I'm sure it was a pain to clean up um but that's one of the earliest memories I have of being in the kitchen it's just playing with sesame
0: oil oh that is hilarious my my little cousins did that with conditioner in the (laughs) bathroom oh no oh that is hilarious i love it thank you for sharing that thank you so much for talking with me for chatting honestly this was so much fun if listeners want to reach out they want to find you where can they find you
1: They can find me. I'm on LinkedIn. You can, if you look up Julia Cho and Purdy's, I'll be the, I'm your girl. You'll find me very easily. Um, You can also reach out on our social. I keep an eye on our social accounts. So I'm always on there snooping. So you can always send me a message there as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Mary, I had a blast. Um, You are so much fun. And you had questions that made me think and laugh and think of my childhood. And I'm going to send you some chocolates after this.
0: It's that time we've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchen confession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mammolini. Thanks for listening.